I wish that his family or his administration or his staff would have an intervention for the good of the country. Hmm. If only there was a way Congress could intercede. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Somehow. I got the feeling that something ain't right. What could Congress do? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW, out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. And yes, we stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Boy, looking over uh, today's program, Desi Doyen, it seems like, well, it starts kind of dark here today. Okay. And then it just keeps getting darker as we go. <laughs> oh dear! Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And as a matter of fact, if it, if it, as if it wasn't dark enough already, this just in: the Justice Department has announced seventeen new charges against WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, including a virtually unprecedented move to charge him with publishing classified material a move that could pose challenges to First Amendment protections. Well, that's uh, that may be an understatement there. As these uh, charges are just in, I have yet had time to uh, look over them, but I wanted to let you know that's going on. And that wasn't even the dark part that I had uh, thought I was starting with today. Uh, what I thought I was starting with was this incredibly violent overnight weather in my old home state of Missouri that we will be talking about a little bit later in the Green News Report. Yes. But uh, just to very quickly note this in in a bit more detail than we had time for, this was a reportedly very violent uh, tornado that happened in the middle of the night. The worst kind. Those are terrifying, and uh, the National Weather Service is the ones who call or are the ones who called it violent as it ripped through Jefferson City, Missouri. Now, Jeff City is the capital of the state. Thankfully, so far there were no reported deaths, but quite a bit of destruction. Uh, three deaths, however, were confirmed not too far away after a suspected tornado in Golden City, Missouri. 
according to a Department of Public uh, Safety spokesperson, resulted in those three deaths. Golden City is around 40 miles northeast of Joplin, Missouri. And the uh, damage there came after a large destructive tornado was spotted north of Joplin, which, as you will recall, eight years ago was devastated by a twister that killed 158 people. Uh, All told, over the past uh, 24 hours, there were some 13 tornadoes that spun up in Missouri yesterday. Now, I was born and raised there. I recall many hurricane warnings and being forced. uh, What did I say? Hurricanes. (laughs) Uh, Tornado warnings. Yes, thank you. And and being forced to go down into into the basement, including in the middle of the night, which, yes, was always terrifying. But I must say, I don't ever recall 13 tornadoes essentially all at once when I was growing up. Now, maybe the technology is better now so that, you know, we can spot them uh, more often. Or maybe we're just having more tornadoes uh, and more tornado swarms for some reason. Well, as we have discussed, you know, there is an apparent trend toward more frequent tornado swarms, outbreaks, but there's more frequently intense tornadoes. The one Hard, that hit Jeff City yeah. is believed to be preliminarily an EF3 tornado, which is quite powerful. It, it, it's hard to believe there are not more uh, tornadoes of late, given that there have been more than 130 confirmed across about half a dozen states just since last weekend. Anyway, more on that uh, coming up later uh, in, in our, uh, as you always, a cheery Green News report. <laughs> and uh, speaking of disasters, no, this is not a segue to Donald Trump. Well, not directly, not entirely. We're talking uh, still about actual natural disasters here. And actually some good-ish news for a change on that front late today. Lawmakers on Thursday announced an agreement on a multi-billion dollar disaster aid package, breaking a months-long impasse that held up critical federal funding for swaths of the country struck by natural disasters. The White House has reportedly signed off on a compromise measure, as uh, Washington Post describes it, supported by congressional Democrats and Republicans that would deliver $19 billion in disaster relief for parts of the Southwest, Midwest, California and Puerto Rico. The package leaves out an additional four and a half billion in funding that had been sought by the Trump administration for The U.S. border with Mexico, according to the Senate Appropriations Committee chair Richard Shelby of Alabama. That demand proved contentious in the uh, disaster aid negotiations. Again, this was disaster aid negotiations, not border wall negotiations or uh, border negotiations in any fashion. So I can't imagine why that demand held things up, but... You know, oh, well, Trump can just declare another emergency and steal the money from the military again. They've got plenty, apparently, and they don't need to rebuild it all from Hurricane Florence, where thousands of homes and structures were damaged at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina or after Hurricane Michael, which wiped out Tyndall Air Force Base in in the, uh, the Florida panhandle last year. Trump already stole money to build his border wall from those reconstruction projects just a few months ago. So steal a few more, Mr. President. 
Now, hopefully, the new relief package includes money for Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska, which was flooded out just weeks ago from all of these violent, deadly storms that just keep happening with more frequency for reasons that, well, just nobody in this administration or among Republicans in Congress can possibly seem to figure out. Anyway, I digress. The uh, Senate is expected to vote on the measure uh, late this afternoon before leaving Washington for a week-long Memorial Day recess. Must be nice. This comes after Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell had warned earlier in the day that the upper chamber would remain in session this week until they passed the disaster aid bill. Well, that has a way of getting them moving, doesn't it? That focuses the mind. Yes, they're going to lose their vacation days. Top Democratic negotiators cheered the news of the agreement. A spokesperson for House Appropriations Chair Nita Lowy said if the Senate passes the legislation, House Democrats support clearing it through the House as soon as possible. The deadlock had uh, stalled support for victims of wildfires in California and other western states, southeastern residents hurt by hurricanes, midwestern states that faced historic flooding earlier this year, and in other areas. In Puerto Rico, more than one million residents have seen their food stamp payments cut after the program's emergency funding expired in March. According to a breakdown of the bill, NBC reports it would provide about $900 million to Puerto Rico toward nutrition assistance and a community development block grant, both of which were key Democratic priorities. The bill also includes a provision that would require the Trump administration to make almost $9 billion in previously withheld aid available to Puerto Rico. All of that had been held up. Because Trump wanted more money for his uh, border and, of course, because he doesn't give a damn about Puerto Rico and has lied over and over again that they have already received $91 billion for disaster relief following Hurricane Maria. In fact, the government had only allocated $40 billion for the island's recovery, and most of it has not even reached them yet. Right. Only about 10 to $15 billion right. has actually been paid out to the island. And because he's been holding it up. Right. Last I saw, it was about $11 billion had been sent. So, you know, he's only about $80 billion off when he says they've already received $91 billion. No wonder the, the dude managed to bankrupt, uh, to go bankrupt as a casino owner, for Christ's sake. He can't do math, apparently. Well, he really can't. And I know he's been told this before, but that $91 billion is actually from projections from the Office of Management and Budget. That was the OMB's estimate of how much the island might receive over the next 20 years. That's where he gets that stupid $91 billion really? that's completely false. And just by way of reminder, uh, Hurricane Maria devastated the island, uh, its communities. It also killed thousands of Americans in 2017. That's almost two years ago. More died in uh, that hurricane and from its aftermath than Hurricane Katrina back in 19, what was that, 1995? Uh, 2005. Katrina. yeah, 2005. 2005, thank you, in, uh, in New Orleans. Anyway, earlier this month, the House had passed their own disaster aid bill led by Democrats that included more generous support for Puerto Rico. 
in a package that won the support of all of the chamber's Democrats and, yes, 34 Republicans. But the Senate would not move on it because Trump wanted, you know, this additional funding for the border and he opposed sending any more money to Puerto Rico at all. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said on Thursday that Democrats understand our responsibility to protect our border, but what they are doing is just not right. The disaster bill has been pending since last year, and the slow pace of talks has frustrated lawmakers in both parties reportedly, especially since past disaster bills. This used to be bipartisan stuff. And uh, past bills did not uh, suffer this kind of uh, delay and the type of partisan rancor that has afflicted this one. But now nothing apparently is bipartisan anymore or without rancor, it seems. Even disaster relief to millions of Americans. Yes, our country has been broken. But we can fix it, right? Trump's opposition to uh, sending more money to Puerto Rico led to months of squabbles and delays, as Washington Post notes. And as time passed, more issues arose to complicate talks like, for example, more and more climate crisis related disasters. Now we get to the disaster that is Donald Trump. Uh, (laughs) He is delivering another $16 billion in aid to farmers who have been hurt by his own trade policies. This is an effort to relieve economic pain among his supporters in rural America, according to the Associated Press today. Uh, These folks who have been devastated by Trump's trade war with China. And as yet, this is another sign that the U.S.-China trade war will not end anytime soon. That, despite Trump telling us, you'll recall over and over again, the tariffs are great and the trade wars are very easy to win. The New York Times notes that global markets tumbled on Thursday, as investors began coming to terms with the idea that the uh, that uh, Trump's trade war is here to stay, benchmark indexes in China, Germany, France and the U.S. all dropped. American crude oil prices were down roughly five percent amid growing concern that the ongoing trade war would start to drag on global economic demand. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note fell to its lowest level of the year and a sign that investors are already pricing in lower levels of growth and inflation. Hopes for a quick resolution to the China trade fight faded further as uh, Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin said on Wednesday that no additional meetings with Beijing are scheduled. And that he has he is encouraging American firms to reorient their supply chains and source their products elsewhere. In other words, he's saying, hey, forget about doing business with China. That's not going to happen for a while. This, of course, just days after Trump had said several times that talks with China were going great. They were almost done. A deal was imminent. And, you know, as, as, as if he was just completely making that up or something. The the uh, the latest bailout to farmers comes atop an 11 billion dollar bailout to farmers that Trump provided last year for the same reason. So if my math is correct here, that is 27 billion dollars now to farmers 
for a completely Trump Trump created disaster. Twenty seven billion dollars as compared to, by the way, just nineteen billion dollars. It was approved today in Congress for states in the southeast, Midwest, California and Puerto Rico, all devastated by natural disasters like hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, wildfires, droughts that are affecting millions of Americans. But $27 billion to the farmers who Donald Trump thinks are going to vote for him. Trump has uh, imposed import taxes on foreign steel, aluminum, solar panels and dishwashers and on thousands and thousands of Chinese products. These are taxes that are paid by Americans For those imported uh, products, these are not paid by the Chinese, as Trump continues to lie about. And I think you said he did so again today. Oh, my God. Yes, he did today. uh, I just about I know you heard me go, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that again. And actually, the the money actually comes from a USDA fund called the Commodity Credit Corporation. It was founded during the Depression to help stabilize farm prices. You're talking about you're talking about the money now for the for the farmers. Yes. The bailout, the bailouts to the farmers. Money yes. comes from this fund right. and not from China, although Trump keeps insisting that it does. And at the uh, press conference later. Well, hang on. You're conflating a couple of things. One, we're talking about the, the bailout money that comes from the USDA. Right. Goes to the farmers. Right. It does not come from China. But right. then there's also it also does not come from the essentially the taxpayers, the importers who are paying these taxes to the treasury these are like different funds entirely right none of that none of the of, of all of this money comes from china right and yeah. so when uh usda secretary sonny Perdue was asked by npr about why trump keeps insisting china is paying for the farm bailout which it is not yeah Perdue said quote the president feels very strongly yes. that the tariff is going to be used to support this program yeah. he feels like china is paying for this program that was the answer yeah i know no, I, I mean, it's it's mind blowing that I, I read that same quote today. Uh, he said, well, the, China is indirectly paying for it. And the president feels, feels that China is paying for this yeah. program through the terror. That is just mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, in any event, some uh, William Reinch, a trade analyst at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and a former U.S. trade official, called the administration's aid package for farmers a fairly overt political ploy. He says it's not economics and he's got members of Congress beating up on him to uh, try to win farm states again in the 2020 election. Jim Costa, a Democratic congressman from California who heads the House Agriculture Subcommittee, said the plan was rushed and poorly uh, planned, uh, rushed and poorly planned bailout, he called it. For more than a year now, producers of every commodity have said the same thing. They want long-term access to export markets, not hasty attempts by the federal government to clean up its own mess. He said, I wish the White House... I urge the White House to uh, rescind the tariffs and sit down in a constructive manner with the Chinese to address issues that will actually improve the market for our farmers. Senator uh, Kevin Kramer, however, a Republican from North Dakota, uh, because uh, uh, Republicans who, you know, 
once uh, said they were pretended to be against government bailouts or as some might call it socialism. Apparently, they have a different feeling about socialism when it's for their voters. On Thursday, he said, well, it's a good start. We got 16 billion, maybe, uh, but maybe we'll need 20 billion. So for the Republicans, they want more money. They want more bailouts. They want more, yes, socialism. So sure, whatever you need, 20 billion here, 20 billion there. Eventually, you're talking about real money. Financial markets buckled uh, on Thursday on these heightened tensions. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down more than 400 points in late afternoon trading. Among those bracing for higher costs, uh, if the new tariffs kick in that uh, Trump has promised, is uh, Jay Foreman. He's the CEO of a toy company in Boca Raton that imports from China. Foreman said, the thought of the government taking my money and giving it to farmers as subsidies to support their losses doesn't sit well. It's not fair to take money from a Florida company to support an Iowa farmer. Farmers don't want welfare. I'm sure they, like us, just want open, free markets to trade in. The disasters continue. And we're here just to lighten things up a little bit. I told you it was a dark day today. <laughs> And this is our version of lightening things up. Donald Trump lashed out at his former Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, on Thursday morning after Tillerson reportedly told a House committee that the president was ill-prepared for a 2017 meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Trump, uh, our totally stable genius president, or impeachment-in-waiting, as I like to think of him at this point, uh, he tweeted a response lashing back at uh, his own former Secretary of State Tillerson in response today by saying, quote, Rex Tillerson, a man who is dumb as a rock and totally ill-prepared and ill-equipped to be Secretary of State, made up a story, he got fired, that I was out-prepared by Vladimir Putin at a meeting in Hamburg, Germany. I don't think Putin would agree. Look how the U.S. is doing. Yes, look how we're doing. It's fantastic. A great job. Uh, $16 billion, $27 billion to bail out the farmers, $20 billion to, to, to try to bring some disaster relief from these unending disasters. Yeah, look how we're doing. We're doing great. And this is a tweet from the president of the United States. Against somebody that he himself he hired. hired. <laughs> he hired and called him dumb as a rock and totally ill-prepared and ill-equipped to be secretary of state. And yet, for some reason, Donald Trump hired him anyway. The tweet followed a Washington Post report that Tillerson told the House Foreign Affairs Committee that Putin out-prepared Trump for the uh, meeting at the 2017 G20 summit. Tillerson said Putin's higher level of preparation put Trump at a disadvantage during the meeting. The U.S. had anticipated a shorter meeting between the two leaders, but instead it turned into a two-hour-plus discussion of geopolitical issues. Committee aides told The Post, and you know how brilliant Trump is at geopolitical issues. So I'm sure that went well. Uh, a committee aide uh, who had interviewed uh, Tillerson for uh, some seven hours during a closed closed door session this past week uh, said that after that closed door session, 
he told the Post, quote, we spent a lot of time talking about how Putin seized every opportunity to push what he wanted. There was a discrepancy in preparation and it created an unequal footing. Unlike Trump's solo meeting with Putin in Helsinki last summer, advisors, including Tillerson, were present alongside him at the meeting with the Russian president in Germany. The president fired Tillerson in March of last year after the former secretary of state nearly resigned in the summer of 2017 amid mounting policy disputes and clashes with the White House, according to NBC. As tensions came to a head, You'll recall Tillerson called Trump a moron following a meeting at the Pentagon with cabinet officials, according to three officials who are familiar with the incident. In December, Tillerson told CBS News that Trump was, quote, undisciplined, didn't read much and tried to do things that would violate the law. Wait, what? My, not my president. <laughs> Violate the law. In response, Trump said Tillerson, quote, didn't have the mental capacity needed <laughs> to be secretary of state. He was dumb as a rock and I couldn't get rid of him fast enough. Trump tweeted he was lazy as hell. Yeah. Who would ever hire such a lazy idiot for that kind of important job? Whoever did that must be even dumber. I mean, who who hired that guy anyway? Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, in hiring Tillerson to run the State Department, Trump pointed to the former Exxon Mobil executive's, quote, vast experience at dealing successfully with all types of foreign governments and called him a world class player and dealmaker, unquote. He will be a star, Trump tweeted after Tillerson was sworn in. So this guy, Donald Trump, uh, is nuts and seemingly getting crazier and more dangerous by the day. I mean, that that tweet alone, if he doesn't realize when he calls, uh, you know, Tillerson dumb as a rock and ill prepared and ill equipped to be secretary of state, if he doesn't realize that that makes him look stupid for hiring him in the first place. Uh, well, he's just becoming e even more unhinged by the minute. So uh, Nancy's press, Nancy Pelosi's press conference on Thursday, um, with all of that, with all of these stories I have just covered, her press conference on Thursday is just a little bit infuriating, to be frank. Times reports that Speaker Pelosi said on Thursday at her weekly press conference that House Democrats were, quote, not on a path to impeachment, even as she accused President Trump of trying to whip her caucus into a distracting political battle by stonewalling congressional oversight. Ms. Pelosi, buoyed by two recent victories in court over the White House with two different judges, federal judges over the past week, saying that, yes, Trump's accounting firm and his banks must indeed comply with congressional subpoenas to turn over Trump's financial documents to Congress. Uh, Pelosi had charged on Wednesday that Trump was, quote, engaged in a cover up. Well, that's good. And on Thursday, she suggested that Trump was too unstable to govern the country. Well, if he is engaged in a cover up and too unstable to govern, then why don't you put the country instead of your perception of politics first and impeach him 
Madam Speaker. The president's theatrical scrapping of Wednesday's infrastructure meeting at the White House raised questions about his temperament and behavior, she said, uh, charging that he had, quote, another temper tantrum. Here's some of her remarks at that press conference today. The White House is just crying out for impeachment. That's why he flipped yesterday. What really got to him was these court cases and the fact that the House Democratic Caucus is not on a path to impeachment. And that's where he wants us to be. And when he saw that that was not happening, that, again, with the cover-up, which he understands is true, just struck a court. But the president, again, stormed out. I think, what, first pound the table, walk out the door. What? Next time, have the TV cameras in there while I have my say. That didn't work for him either. And now this time, another temper tantrum. Uh, uh, Again, I pray for the President of the United States. I wish that his family or his administration or his staff would have an intervention for the good of the country. Have an intervention for the good of the country. Yeah, uh, an intervention is needed. If only there was just some form of congressional intervention that could be invoked here for the good of the country. What could they do? The Times reports that Pelosi's remarks are part of a calculated campaign by the speaker to pair public comments with private calls for House Democrats to avoid being goaded into impeachment. Now, well, all right, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, Pelosi faced down calls from about 25 House Democrats who want her to move immediately on impeachment during a, a meeting with the, her own caucus reportedly on Wednesday. Instead, she urged them to, quote, follow the facts. Good advice. By follow by allowing court cases to play out before passing final judgment. Since then, a federal court on Wednesday affirmed the House's right to obtain Trump's financial records. That's the second such ruling this week. Earlier Thursday, during a closed door session with her caucus, Pelosi made the case that Trump wants impeachment. Just as she did in that press conference there, she was even more explicit uh, in the meeting with her caucus, argued that the president hoped to provoke impeachment in order to achieve public exoneration by the Republican-controlled Senate, which would act as the final arbiter on impeachment hearings. Now, I appreciate her point of view. I really do. And there is some merit to racking up court victories against Donald Trump. But I, A, see no evidence that Trump actually wants to be impeached. In fact, he, scared, he seems to be scared to death of it. Watching his uh, crazy white, uh, Rose Garden press conference yesterday when he talked about the I word, he, he did not seem like he was uh, goading them. He seems like he's actually concerned about that. That yeah. meeting after he stormed out of of the uh, the press conference after he stormed out of that meeting on infrastructure with Pelosi and Chuck Schumer after three minutes. The fact that he won't even say the word impeachment, he'll use I word instead. It's just weird. And then the uh, c- conventional wisdom that 
you know, somehow impeachment would help him. It's just not supported by the the actual facts and by the actual numbers out there. We haven't really gone into details on it. Maybe we will in the uh, in the coming days. But I think there's a big confusion with folks like uh, Nancy Pelosi who look back at uh, the uh, who are comparing this to the Clinton impeachment instead of the Nixon impeachment, which this is much more similar to. But even in the uh, uh, the uh, the the Clinton, the Bill Clinton impeachment, uh, it, that did not hurt Republicans to have taken that measure against Bill Clinton. Republicans ended up. Winning the presidency in yeah. 2000. And shortly thereafter, they, they won control of the House. So if there was any backlash, it was very short-lived. For the moment, for today anyway, uh, the Times reports that Pelosi seems to have stopped a mass defection of Democrats to the pro-impeachment cause for now. But to do so, allies said she must avoid the appearance that she's being too soft on Trump. That that appears to mean amplifying her criticism of him, as she did today, and giving public voice to opinions about the president that she has kept private until now. On Thursday, she referenced the Constitution's 25th Amendment, which allows a president to be removed from office if it is determined that he is unable to discharge the duties of the office. She called that. A good idea. Well, if it's a good idea to remove him because he is unable to discharge the duties of the office and he requires an intervention because he is uh, in the middle of a cover up, uh, among other reasons, again, if only there was some congressional remedy if there was only something that she could do as Speaker of the House to change, to do something about this, if she really believed it. And I actually, I believe she does. Uh, why she's not moving forward with impeachment uh, faster, I, I, can, I can't tell you. Or we could just, and by the way, if you have a, a, you know, a difference of opinion here, uh, or even if you agree with her, if you don't want to see impeachment, let your Congress member know. Uh, the phone number for Congress is 202-224-3121. They're about to leave for the Memorial Day holiday, so call now. 202-224-3121. Chris Hayes over on MSNBC was mentioning on, uh, I think on Wednesday night, was speaking with uh, Katie Hill. Representative from California, Democratic, and who just uh, who just took off freshman uh, Congress member uh, down in, I think, Orange County, California, very uh, conservative, theoretically used to be a very conservative part of the state. The uh, the orange curtain, as they called it, she just won. And she had been she's one of those folks who has actually been arguing against an impeachment inquiry. She told Chris Hayes that uh, calls to her office in recent weeks had been two to one against impeachment. And that's one of the reasons why she's against it. But that suddenly, within just the past uh, week or so, now the calls are coming in about three or four to one in favor of impeachment. So uh, that's Katie Hill, Democrat uh, from California, who is seeing a, a big uh, difference in calls from constituents. Your voices, I think, are being heard. So you can reach your member of Congress at 202-224-3121 uh, if you have any thoughts on this. Or, you know, we can just continue to let Donald Trump damage the country, damage 
the climate, damage the markets, damage foreign relations with friends and foes alike. We can see him uh, fail to take care of Americans in need uh, after disasters, actual natural disasters. And we can watch him now, yes, uh, endangering our military troops who are in harm's way around the world. Because have you heard about his plan to let American war criminals off the hook? Seriously, that story is next on the Bradcast, where the fun never ends. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. There's something happening here. But what it is ain't exactly clear. No. But it's There's a man with a gun becoming more uh, becoming more clear by the minute here. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Chief Petty Officer Eddie Gallagher was reported to his commanders by seven of the Navy SEALs who served under him in Iraq, where they witnessed him, quote, stabbing a defenseless teenage captive to death, picking off a school-age girl and an old man from a sniper's roost, indiscriminately spraying neighborhoods with rockets and machine gun fire. A search of Gallagher's cell phone found exactly what his seals said that it would. Grisly photos of Gallagher posing with the prone body of a 15-year-old suspected ISIS fighter that that Gallagher had stabbed to death after the boy had been captured and given medical aid. So after he was captured and given medical aid, Eddie Gallagher was seen uh, posing with the body for pictures after he had stabbed him to death. Gallagher's superiors warned those reporting him that they would be endangering their careers, but they pressed on anyway. His court-martial, Eddie Gallagher's, is set to begin on May 28th. Then there's Nicholas Slatton, a former Blackwater security contractor who was convicted of murder twice for his leading role in the private security company's 2007 fatal shooting of 10 women, two children, and two men in Baghdad's Nisar Square. The massacre, which injured more than a dozen other bystanders, endangered U.S. efforts to build trust with the nascent Iraqi government and highlighted private security contractors' impunity and lack of accountability in U.S. war zones. Then there's Matthew Goldstein, a decorated Green Beret who narrowly avoided being charged when he admitted in a 2011 CIA job interview that he'd killed a captured man in Afghanistan whom he had who he had suspected of being a Taliban bomber. Bomb maker, in fact. 
But then five years later, Goldstein got on Fox News and told Brett Baer that he had, in fact, shot the man. The Army then reopened an investigation, recalled Goystein to active duty, and charged him with premeditated murder. In, a 2012, in 2012, a video went viral on YouTube showing a group of Marines gleefully urinating on the corpses of suspected enemy fighters in Afghanistan. Have a great day, buddy. One Marine could be heard saying as the desecration went on, the video inflamed international opinion against the United States. Eight Marines were ultimately reprimanded. Three pleaded guilty in a special court martial and were demoted. Now, those are some, but decidedly not all reports Adam Weinstein of the New Republic, of the suspected and confirmed war criminals that President Donald Trump reportedly now seeks to pardon. This a week after pardoning Matthew Behenna, we talked about that on this show, he had been serving 15 years in prison for killing an Iraqi prisoner. He had been ordered to return the man home in Iraq, but instead he took him out to a culvert in the desert. He stripped him of his clothes. He interrogated him, and then he shot the naked man dead in the head and chest, supposedly, as he said, quote, in self-defense. Two U.S. officials confirmed to The New York Times Sunday that Donald Trump requested the paperwork for these men and others with an eye to pardoning them by Memorial Day which is usually a day of remembrance for American service members who died in war, as opposed to American service members who committed war crimes. The vetting process for prospective pardonees normally takes months or years, not a week. According to Weinstein at New Republic, it normally originates in the Justice Department, not in the White House. It normally pardons convicts, not accused criminals who are awaiting trial. It does not normally fast-track military operators who are accused of murder by seven of their shipmates and who also keep photographs of murdered prisoners in their phones. Now, I had hoped to have Adam Weinstein on uh, on the show today to discuss this. He was scheduled to be here, in fact, but he took sick uh, and he had to cancel at the last minute since he lost his voice, which is not great for radio. <laughs> Surprisingly, no. He, uh, he will be fine, but he needs a few days to get back in shape. But as these pardons could happen as soon as this Memorial Day weekend, I wanted to get out the word about what what appears to be going on here and what could happen as soon as the weekend. Weinstein asks in his New Republic piece, what is the constituency in the U.S. that celebrates war crimes? How big is it and who speaks for it? Is there some faction of active duty military brass pushing for this? Is there an advisor telling Trump that the people demand it? Well, as it turns out, Weinstein is able to answer some of those questions, at least. This is almost entirely an operation of Fox News which has been having family members on of Eddie Gallagher. He's the guy who was reported uh, by uh, to uh, to his commanders by seven Navy SEALs who had served under him for all manner of war crimes. These folks have been uh, showing up on Fox News, his family members, 
uh, Gallagher's uh, sister and so forth. They have been making the case for him on Trump's favorite morning show on Fox News, on Fox and Friends. And now it looks like uh, Donald Trump may actually pardon all of these war criminals and suspected war criminals while disrespecting his own military prosecutors who found them guilty and the Navy SEALs who reported, for example, reported Gallagher in the first place. Uh, oh, and there is another uh, proponent of Gallagher. That would be Republican Congressman Duncan Hunter of California, who is a Marine veteran himself and who is also facing federal trial for personal misuse of a quarter of a million dollars in campaign funds between him and his wife. Uh, and yes, I believe he's still serving, uh, even while under federal indictment for that. Uh, at least Hunter is consistent, Weinstein notes. Back in 2012, he also insisted that those Marines who urinated on Afghan corpses were, quote, sons of America who should not face criminal consequences for their actions, even though... Uh, if that was done by uh, an enemy combatant against one of our troops, we would put them in jail for 20 years for that act. This, in a nutshell, is a is the war crimes lobby as it now exists, writes Weinstein, a metastasizing network of amateurish, enraged gawkers gorging themselves on Fox News emissions and who feel empowered to speak for the troops, the war, and the whole darn population of, quote, real United States citizens. They have now, it seems, pulled in Donald Trump. Uh, and to the, uh, quote, to the people in middle America who respect the troops and the tough calls they make, they're going to love this. These are the good guys, said Fox and Friends co-host, professional Republican veteran and one-time Donald Trump cabinet hopeful Pete Hegseth on Sunday. These are the war fighters. And making a move like this by Memorial Day would be, I would be, wow, amazing, Hegseth said. Amazing? Pardoning war criminals. Really? Uh... Uh, South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, uh, a 2020 Democratic hopeful uh, who served himself as what was he? Navy intelligence. He was a officer? Navy intelligence officer in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah, he was asked about this today at a Washington Post event that was hosted by uh, Robert Costa. Here are uh, some of his thoughts about how amazing this would be. There are many reports that President Trump is considering pardons for, for former soldiers who committed war crimes, U.S. soldiers. What's your view on that? Do they deserve them? My view is it's disgusting. Look, when you serve, when you take that oath, the oath is to the Constitution. And if you are convicted by a jury of your military peers of having committed a war crime, the idea that the president is going to overrule that is an affront to the basic idea of good order and discipline and to the idea of law, the very thing that... We believe we're putting our lives on the line to defend. That opinion, uh, that was uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, responding to this. Frankly, I find shocking story, and it's hard to shock me anymore when it comes to Donald Trump, but the shocking story that Trump uh, plans to may, very well may, uh, over the holiday, the Memorial Day weekend, uh, pardon a whole passel 
of uh, convicted war criminals and um, uh, war criminals who are facing trial and uh, pardon them before they have even gone to trial, uh, court-martial in this case, um, under military law in the military court system. In other words, Donald Trump's own justice system as commander-in-chief. Uh, this uh, Chris Jenks wrote about this over at Just Security this week. He's now he's a, a professor of law. He directs the Criminal Justice Clinic at SMU. He served as special counsel to the Office of the General Counsel at the uh, Department of Justice. Uh, he served as the chief of the Army's International Law Branch in the Pentagon. Uh, he says that uh, what he's doing here, what Donald Trump is doing here, is essentially not sticking it to the man, but sticking it to himself by undermining his own justice system as commander-of-chief in the armed forces. The president's issuance of preemptive pardons would denigrate everyone in the U.S. military who is committed to a fair and effective military justice system. He says that's a lot of people, including uh, military law enforcement who investigate wartime wartime allegations under the most difficult circumstances. The officers who refer charges or recommend disposition or refer cases to trial. The judge advocates who serve as legal advisors, paralegals, court reporters, prosecutors, defense counsel, judges, the service members who report misconduct, testify under oath as witnesses or serve as panel members or jurors as well as the military justice appellate system, which involves two levels of civilian and military attorneys and judges. He says this uh, a Memorial Day pardon would make a profound statement. In one of the court martials that Trump uh, is considering uh, nullifying with a pardon, uh, the prosecutor told the uh, panel that the sentence would, quote, determine that, that the sentence they would determine, quote, makes a statement about how soldiers should behave. Trump's actions, Jenks writes, regarding service member pardons will make a number of statements not only about how service members should behave, but whether the U.S. will hold them accountable when they egregiously fail in their duties and what the president thinks about the overall eff efficacy of his own U.S. military justice system and the service members who sacrificed to uphold it. Just when you think things couldn't get darker and this president couldn't get worse, he comes up with all new ways, doesn't he? He does. Quick break, and we're back with the Green News Report and Desi Doyen right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I could use some good news uh, <laughs> or a day off and a day off, I think. Well, I got a day off coming up with the, the holiday, but uh, Desi Doyen, got any good news for us in today's Green News Report? Uh, we try. Okay, let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. 
Missouri is under a state of emergency, hit by at least 13 tornadoes in just the last 24 hours. Beleaguered Midwest walloped by tornadoes and floods. Sadly, carbon emissions have carried on increasing even after uh, the Paris Agreement. New worst-case study finds Miami and other coastal cities inundated by centuries end. Louisiana unveils ambitious plan to retreat from rising seas, plus... Good news and bad as Trump's EPA changes how it measures air pollution deaths. Well, let's just change how we measure good news and bad. All of that good news and bad straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. They want to knock down all buildings in Manhattan and rebuild them without windows. You know about that, right? No, it's crazy what they're saying. So many different things. It's crazy what they're saying? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it seems like we have been covering disastrous weather uh, for more than a month now. In the Midwest and central U.S. Unfortunately, yes. When the National Weather Service warned of extreme storms this week, they were right. As of airtime, at least seven have been killed. More than 130 reported tornadoes in a five-day period, including a violent night tornado that struck Jefferson City, Missouri. New flooding in Oklahoma and Missouri. And a heads up, the National Weather Service is now forecasting an early extreme heat wave for the southeast. Well, pay attention. They were right about all of their warnings so far and Boy, I think we ain't seen nothing yet. We now have the first named storm of the 2019 Atlantic hurricane season. Subtropical Storm Andrea started the party early, two weeks before the official start of the Atlantic hurricane season on June 1st. This marks the fifth year in a row that a named storm has formed in the preseason. Weather Underground reports that a second named storm is now spinning in the South Atlantic off the coast of Brazil. This is the first time on record that we've seen two named storms spinning simultaneously in both the North and the South Atlantic. Yeah, but why worry? Meanwhile, a new study projects that global sea levels could rise more than two meters, that's more than six feet, by the end of the century. Oh, that's why worry. That would have profound consequences for humanity, of course, but it's only if global governments do nothing to cut humanity's greenhouse gas emissions. Oh, they will do nothing. The new forecast is double the projections made by U.N. scientists just a few years ago. Now, six feet would inundate major coastal cities like New York, Miami, and Shanghai, and pretty much most of the nation of Bangladesh. And it could ultimately force the migration of nearly 200 million people. In an interview on Al Jazeera, Lead study author Dr. Jonathan Bamber of the University of Bristol said he believes it to be a worst-case scenario, but he did warn that governments should begin planning now as a precaution. They won't. The two-meter sea level rise that we, we project to 2100 is not the most likely scenario, but it is a plausible scenario. So it is one that we should consider if we want to plan and adapt to future sea level rise. It was based on the assumption that we carry on increasing our Um, emissions of greenhouse gases into the future. And, I mean, sadly, carbon emissions have carried on increasing 
even after uh, the Paris Agreement in 2015. Which, by the way, is something that Donald Trump is very proud about. He bragged about it at his rally on uh, Monday in Pennsylvania. Before this disturbing new study on sea level rise came out, the state of Louisiana unveiled a sweeping new plan, the very first of its kind in the United States, to manage the retreat of its population away from risky coastal areas. Mm. The strategy includes steps like voluntary buyouts to help people move away and ways to prepare inland communities to accommodate the influx of new people. Louisiana is losing a football field of land every hour to rising oceans, while the land, scarred by decades of dredging by the oil industry, is sinking. Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards said in a statement, quote, We have to be realistic about the current and future effects of coastal land loss and plan today to develop Louisiana's next generation of communities. Finally, some good news and some bad news. The good news is that the Trump Environmental Protection Agency this week backed off a far-reaching proposal that would have changed how it calculates future deaths from air pollution by assuming that there's no real benefit to reducing certain types of microscopic air pollution any further, so it's just not worth the cost to industry. After all, if you can show that there are fewer benefits to reducing pollution, it makes it much easier to justify weakening pollution standards. Scientists say that proposal is not based in science, but luckily the EPA has now backed off the proposal. But the bad news is the agency says it will issue it later this year. Of course they will. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. And please help continue the Green News Report far into the future by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I need some good Please. <laughs> yeah. Who knew GNR stood for Grim News Report? <laughs> Thank you very much, Desi yeah. Doyen. We could all use some good news. We'll keep looking. Uh, until then, I got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us, uh, especially those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue what we do here. We really do uh, appreciate and need your help. Uh, to continue to mouth off every day about anything we want and feel is important without uh, concerns about our commercial sponsors. So bradblog.com slash donate. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com and drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You'll also find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I need some-